Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, today I want to talk to you about the news. The news. When I was growing up, we would watch the news on a black and white television. I know you don't know what a black and white television is. Then we, got a, we did get a color TV. Uh, Gary remembers black and white. Um, so uh, we'd watch it, but it was on, and it was the local news, and then it was the national news. And as a kid, you're just waiting for this to get over so you could watch something good on the three channels that you had. But the news was important. Remember Walter Cronkite? And that's the way it is, right? See, some of you do remember that. Great. You know, David Brinkley, these were guys who brought you the news and the stories. And some of it was just news. It didn't really matter to us a lot. But there is news that matters, isn't there? Some news matters so much that you will take action based on this news. But today, you get your news from all kinds of sources, most of it probably not from the networks, from various websites that you curate for yourself to choose, I want to hear from this source, I want to hear from that source. Maybe you just get it from your social media feed that it pops up and says something that you might be interested in, that the algorithm has figured out that you should be interested in. But probably most of you are intentional enough to choose certain sources of news. Because sometimes the news matters, and you have to take action. You may have heard that your favorite band is in town, so you've got to go buy tickets, right? I mean, that's really important. It moves you to action, or maybe it's that there's a hurricane out there. In Florida, one of our favorite news sources is the weather, because that determines what we can do, which most every day we can do pretty much anything we want, because it's great. But I love it at the beginning of hurricane season, there's always that report. It goes like this. This year will be the most active hurricane season in the history of mankind, Right? Is it just me or does that happen every year? I'm like, they said that last year. But you never hear a report on December 1st that says, that devaluates that, right? They forget about all that. They go, oh, actually, it really wasn't that active. And we were wrong. So don't listen to us next year. Actually, right now, if you read the news, it's August, and there hasn't been any name storms in August. Any name storms in August. So they're like, they're like revising that, saying, we told you it's going to be active, so it's going to happen in September. So get ready. Don't stop paying attention. In other words, don't stop listening to our news, is what they're saying. But some news, you've got to take action. It causes you to move and do something about it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. See, news you act on is the news that matters. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus made a prediction much better than the National Weather Service. Jesus made really a prediction for Jesus as a promise, right? He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Jesus made that promise to his disciples, which extends to us. You will receive power. These things will absolutely happen. And if you've been with us for our study of Acts, you know that we saw that happen as we saw the Holy Spirit fall at Pentecost, and we saw the church explode with growth, and then we saw persecution and the people being spread out from Jerusalem to Judea 
to Samaria, and we see the promises of God's of God coming true as his people were his witnesses throughout the known world. And, and now we're to the point where Paul is going to what at that time was known as the uttermost parts of the world. And he's in his missionary journey, and he's about to come back and deliver the news of how that missionary journey went. And people are about to take that in. So let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 14, verse 24. And the first three verses talk about the fact that God is at work in other places. God is at work in other places. Where the Lord says this, When they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Adaliah, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. So here's what's happening. Paul and Barnabas have been on this amazing journey. They were sent out by the people of Antioch, and this is the Antioch city that's in Syria, just north of Israel. And they'd been sent out by that church. Remember, they fasted and they prayed, and they sent out two of their very best leaders. And they, they sent them out to share the good news of Jesus throughout the known world. And they, they went down to Cyprus, and they preached down in Cyprus, and they saw results. They saw Gentiles, especially non-Jews, responding to the word of Jesus, but they saw resistance from the Jewish people. As we said last week, when you hear that, when you hear that word, the Jews resisted, we always kind of think of, well, those Jews, how could they not get this? Why did they miss us? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. These were, these were good people. These were people who felt like they were God's children. They were the children of Abraham, so they were good. They were really, really good at keeping the law, and I don't mean that facetiously. They were good at it. But when they heard the message of grace, so wait a minute. You mean other people can be forgiven of terrible sins? Even though they haven't kept the law like we have? Even though they don't have the heritage that we have? Even though they haven't tried nearly as hard as we have? You're telling me that they can be forgiven? That just can't be true. That has to be heresy. And you can kind of understand that, can't you? Just a little bit. Have you ever felt that way? That how could God forgive that person? How could he give them equal standing with me when I've been coming to church for, I don't know, five years, five months, five weeks? It doesn't take long for us to become resistant to God's grace for others. So the Jews opposed them more and more and more. And each city they went to, they, they went to the Antioch that's in Pisidia, and then they went to Iconium, and then they went to Lystra, and it got worse and worse and worse until... In Lystra, Paul was stoned and left for dead. But God's grace was strong, and God lifted him up and took him back. He walked into the city, continued his mission, actually went back to the three cities that were most resistant and set up leaders and elders in those cities and strengthened the church. And then it says here in verse 28 that they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and they they spoke the word in Perga. They went down to Adaliah. What's happening is Paul is going south from Antioch of Pisidia. He's going down to the Mediterranean, and they've decided to return. They speak the word in one more city in Perga. Then they board a ship, and they head back to 
Syrian Antioch. And it's almost like Paul is saying, listen, a lot has happened. There's been a lot of opposition. There's been some violence. And I need to make sure that our sending church understands what really happened. Because this, these cities were all on a major trade route. There would have been some news that filtered back to Antioch. They, they, Paul needed to go back. I need to tell them what's really happening here. I, I don't want them to be concerned that all we're facing is opposition. I want them to hear of the fruit and what God has actually done. Because at this time, there's still kind of a question. In verse 15, it's addressed fully. I mean, chapter 15, it's, it's addressed fully. There's a question of whether God really does welcome in non-Jews, Gentiles. And so Paul and Barnabas, they head back. And they want to tell the people that God is at work in other places. And I want to tell you, God is at work in other places. God is doing amazing things around the world. God is at work in Jamaica right now. You know what? God is at work around the world. Do you realize that 59% of the world today, bring up that slide, please. 59% of the world today is considered unreached, meaning Jesus is not known or named among 4.5 billion people. Fits with our church vision to make Jesus known. I love the way this is stated by the International Mission Board. 59% of the world is unreached. I love coming on our campus. It's so good to be home. Julie and I were traveling this week. It's so good to be here with you all and to sense God's presence and know that we have the privilege of sharing God's God's message. 59% of the people is unreached, but in view of that, Southern Baptist International Mission Board, over 580,000 people heard the gospel last year. You were helping that. Every time you give, you help that happen. When you give to the Christmas offering, you give to our church a portion of that goes to make that happen. 176,000 people, over 176,000 people became believers. 22,744 new churches were formed. See, God's at work. Other places. And some of the most needy, scary, dangerous, opposed to the gospel places in the world, your missionaries are at work. Just as in Paul's day, God is at work around the world. And then there's this guy. Give him a round of applause. If you don't know this guy, this guy is our former associate pastor, Greg Davis. We sent off earlier this year in April. And uh, he and Sarah went to Fort Carson. And Sarah is at work there among uh, neighbors, other soldiers' wives, sharing Christ, getting involved. Greg is deployed in Eastern Europe, and uh, he's been there for about four months, and he'll be there another five months or so. And he's sharing the good news of Jesus on our behalf with many, many soldiers. He's seen guys come to Christ. He's discipling others. God is at work in other places, and we have to get that in our minds. You see, the call to follow Jesus is not just about us and our place. It's worldwide. You say, well, the world is here. We can reach these people. That's all. No, that's not all we need to do. We definitely need to reach these people. But it's always this principle in following Jesus of thinking beyond what we can see and we can understand. God is at work in other places. And Greg, appreciate your prayers, incidentally. Appreciate you continue to pray for he and Sarah. He'll be home probably around the first of the year. Um, but he's a great, great young man. 
But what is God doing? So if God is a work around the world, what does that look like? Well, Paul says this in verse 27. He says that when they arrived and gathered the church together, that's at Antioch in Syria, they declared all that God had done for them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. See, God is at work, and his work is an open door. I love that because I love that metaphor of an open door. I mean, you ever get to Publix before it opens? You're like, man, I needed something. I needed a pastry or some bread or some... I just needed something and it was closed. You can't believe how could Publix be closed? But then they open the door. This is amazing, right? Every time a door opens, it's an opportunity. And what Paul is saying is God has opened an opportunity for the faith to the Gentiles. He said there's going to be a time when you can't actually go in, and this is the time. He's opened the door so they, they can go in. He didn't say, listen, God has opened up an army to the Gentiles, and we're going to go in and conquer them and drag them off. Or He didn't say we're going to go buy them off, or we're going to go debate them. He said, I, I've got an open door. I love in Revelation, the Church of Philadelphia, it says, you know, you have before you an open door. An open door, an opportunity an opportunity of faith that you can step through. You know, every door that you go through is a transition, isn't it? You just move from where you are to the next place, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen in that place. That's why it is a door of faith that says, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm going to trust him to forgive my sins. I'm going to trust him to give me a purpose and a future. And one of my favorite doors to go through that I think is, it's probably the most challenging, is to walk through the door to get on an airplane. Think about that. Julie and I flew home last night uh, from St. Louis, and as we step through that door, I always kind of touch the skin of the airplane because I'm thinking, this is all that's protecting us right here. That's it right here, and it's going to be like, really, really cold as it's like at 30 or 40,000 feet or however how you, how you fly. But as you step in a plane, a lot of things happen if you think about it. It's an amazing step of faith. You're saying, I trust the manufacturer of this plane. I trust people that I've never met that maintain this plane. And not only that, when I step inside this plane, I'm trusting the pilots whom I've never met. I'm putting my life in their hands right now. And I'm saying, I'm going to go wherever this plane is taking me. You don't get to get on the plane and go, you know what? I didn't want to go to Fort Lauderdale. Could you just stop in Palm Beach? Because it'd be a little easier for me to get home. I just want to make a little adjust. You get on the plane. You go where the plane is going. Oh, and by the way, you don't get to get out of your seat until they tell you, which I think is really annoying. We flew all the way to St. Louis the other night. We didn't get to get up. Thought I was going to die. But that step of faith, you step through the door. That's what happens when we receive Christ. We say, Jesus, I want to take this step because of the door that you've opened for me. I'm going to take this step to go where you, I'm going to trust you with everything. And Paul says the door of salvation, door of faith has been opened to the Gentiles, which was scandalous to some people. Even though there were Gentiles in the crowd, the door of faith is open to everyone. 
Think of the vilest people that you've ever heard of. Paul's saying the door of salvation is open. The door of faith is open. Jesus Christ has opened that. That's the message that he wants everyone to understand. You sent us out and the door is open. And once you hear a message like that, when you, it's kind of mind-blowing for them. Once you hear that people are open and that God has opened the door, we need to hear that, process that, and respond to what God is doing in other places. In verse 28, it says, kind of a verse we would typically forget. It says, they remain no little time with the disciples. And what that means is they remained a very long time, probably months, maybe years. Paul is saying, I went and I stayed. In other words, the message that God is at work in other places and that there's an open door of faith to the Gentiles needs to be something that we kind of live with. It needs to be a part of our constant thinking. Paul is constantly having breakfast and coffee and whatever else they had then and, and telling people, yeah, this door is open. There's an opportunity for all these people, these 59% of the world who don't have access to Christ. That door is open. We need to let that set into our lives. There's a door open. We just need to help people find it. We need to help people get into that door. We need, to, we need to encourage people to understand what it means to follow Jesus. And you're like, well, what do I do with that? Well, the question that we have to ask is, what are we doing with the news that really matters? Because this news matters. There's many things you can do. You can go. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I'm too old. Uh, I've got a career. I've got a family. I, I, I can't go. Listen, we all need to answer the question, is God calling me to go? God calling you to go? Is God saying, listen, you need to go where there aren't many followers of Jesus, where there aren't many churches, where there aren't any churches, where there is no access? Is God calling you to go? You have to wrestle with that because the Great Commission says, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Where is God encouraging you to go? Have you wrestled with that reality? Maybe God is calling you to go on a short-term mission trip. Maybe he's calling next time we go to Jamaica. I want to go. I want to be a part of that. Go. Maybe he's calling you to stay, but you need to help other people go. You need to send others. When Greg and Sarah told us that they were going to go, and he was going to be active duty military, and they were going to move, and probably move several times, and um, my dad heart said, no, I don't want that. But my spiritual heart said, that's amazing. I'm so happy. I want to help send you. I want to help encourage you. I want to pray for you. Sometimes, parents, listen to me, we hold on to our kids when God's saying, send them. Send them. Send them. And sometimes that's all they need is just a little encouragement to go. Follow the, the path to reach people in the uttermost parts of the world. Don't ever, just, don't ever try to discourage someone from going. You say it's too dangerous, it's too far, I don't know what's going to happen, how are we going to be supported, how is this all going to work? Listen, do we trust Jesus with our kids or not? Do we trust Jesus with our lives or not? We need to go, we need to send, and honestly, we need to give significantly. So what does that mean, Steve? You need to give like it matters. P. 
People are dying without Christ. How am I going to stand before Jesus and say, he says, you knew people were dying without me and you didn't really do anything. So, well, Steve, if give me the, my, my, my money is very personal. Yeah, it's very personal. It indicates what really matters to you. You need to give significantly. We're going to try to raise $5,000 today, honestly, for Tino to impact the gospel, to have the gospel impact Negril, Jamaica. Every year, every year our church gives to uh, the IM International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board. When you give to our church, you're giving to missions. And when you give their Christmas offering, you're giving directly to those who are trying to reach people overseas. I want to encourage, does your giving reflect the fact that people are dying without Jesus? You see, you really can't love Jesus and be an isolationist. Because if I love Jesus, I've received something I had no business receiving. I've received a gift I didn't earn. My heritage, my goodness, I didn't deserve any of this. But because Jesus Christ allowed me to hear the message, opened the door to me, I know him. See, sometimes we forget how precious that is. Imagine if you never got to hear. If that doesn't move you, I think there might be a problem fundamentally with your relationship with Jesus. I think we need to take a step back off and say, Jesus, I, I can't believe you saved me. I so want other people to know as well. And sometimes we come away from a message like this and we think, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to care more. I'm... Listen, no, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, listen, what we need to do is make ourselves available, be willing to risk, be willing to give, be willing to go, be willing to send. Because when I release every part of my life to Jesus, it does get a little risky, but it does get very exciting. Today, would you consider those three things? Does Jesus want you to go? Does Jesus want you to help send others? And what does he want you to give? If you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never received that gift of salvation, that gift of forgiveness, oh, I urge you today, the door is open. But it won't be open forever. There will be an end. Every time you say no to Jesus makes it less likely you will ever say yes. Make today the day. Say, Jesus, I, I repent of my sin. I know I don't deserve you, but I'm trusting you to pay for my sin. And I want your spirit to come into my life and live through me. I'd love to talk with you after the service. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.